0: I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. I'm sure we've all heard that. But being a preacher, I wouldn't want to discount the importance of hearing. And quite frankly, it's impossible to convey the message of the cross without words. Still, words don't ring true if they're not backed up by practice. And it's therefore essential that a preacher practices what he preaches. Last week, we studied the 8th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where Paul teaches us that as Christians, we have been set free from many traditional taboos, that we have real liberty in Christ, the freedom to do anything that hasn't been expressly condemned in or violates a clear-cut principle of Scripture. However, we also saw that we must allow love to limit our liberty, that we must be willing to yield our freedoms, our rights, if by the expression of those freedoms we would lead our brother to violate his conscience and cause him to stumble. Chapter 8 concludes with this statement from the Apostle. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, that I might not cause my brother to stumble. Now that sounds good, but it's easy to catch the iffiness. Of that statement Paul's not swearing off meat here he's merely saying that if eating meat would cause a brother to stumble he'd give it up now again that's fine that's fine and it illustrates the truth of allowing love to limit our liberty but some might object and say well sure Paul that sounds good. But you are in effect telling us to give up a lot of things that we might enjoy for the sake of our brothers. And not in theory, but in practice. So what about you? You say you'd give up something, but have you? Have you really, in fact, limited your liberty by love? Do you practice what you preach? Well, I think Paul anticipated their reaction. And so in chapter 9, he illustrates how he has, in fact, limited his liberty by love. He begins by making it clear what his position is in life, both as a Christian and as an apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, first three verses. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who examine me. Now, you may have noticed that I changed that third verse a bit. From my defense to those who examine me is this, to this is my defense to those who examine me. In the Greek, the sentence can be translated either way, and it can refer to what went before or what comes after it. The New American Standard translates it one way, the NIV the other. But both use the sentence to begin a new paragraph, and I think they're both wrong. NAS on two counts and NIV on one. I think the NIV did translate it right, but that it should be included in the first paragraph. I'm convinced that what Paul had to say in verses 1 and 2 is the defense of his apostleship. And he said so in verse 3, that the verses go together in the same paragraph. Paul begins, with the question, am I not free? And the question is constructed in a way that demands a positive response. He's merely saying, I too am a Christian. I have the same liberties as you. I've been set free by Christ. So every right you have belongs to me as well. No one's going to argue with that. Then he poses another question. Am I not an apostle? Again, a positive response Is required. He's saying, in effect, not only am I a Christian, I am also an apostle. And just in case any might doubt it, since he hadn't been with Jesus during his ministry, as had the other apostles, he reminds them that he had indeed seen the risen Christ, that he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus, and had been personally called by him to be an apostle. He also points to the Corinthians themselves as proof of his apostleship. They were the fruit of his ministry, an authenticating seal of his apostleship. Whenever any would question his apostleship, he would remind them of his special call and of the way the Lord had blessed his ministry. That was his defense to those who examined him. But surely no defense was needed. For the Corinthians, they knew Paul and they knew that he was an apostle. His position was clear. He was a Christian and therefore had all the rights they had. And even more, he was an apostle and therefore had additional rights and privileges. And so he speaks of his privilege. Verses 4 through 14. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? (laughs) Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacrificed uh, services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share in the altar? So also the Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Now, I really like that passage. (laughs) And I'm sure you can see why. But what's Paul saying here? He's saying that as an apostle, he had the right to be supported financially by those to whom he ministers. Even apostles had to eat. And most of them had wives to support, and they liked to eat too. And all of them, except Paul and Barnabas, seemed to be able to eat without having to work at a secular job. And that, Paul argues, is only right. A soldier doesn't have to supply his own rations. A man who plants a vineyard does not expect, he he does expect to eat the fruit of his labors. And even a man hired to tend a flock of goats gets to drink some of the milk. These, he said, are simple illustrations drawn from everyday life. But even the law of Moses supports this. God had told Moses to write that an ox shouldn't be muzzled while trampling out grain, that he should be free to eat some of the grain while he worked. And while God is concerned about oxen, the real significance of that verse applies to man. The plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing the crops. By the same token, Paul says those who sow spiritual things ought to reap material things. The priests got a portion of the sacrifices to support themselves and that was only right. Now, It's true, some of them abused that right and got rich off of their position, something God abhorred. But the Lord did direct that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. Those called into the ministry should be free to dedicate themselves to the ministry and not have to worry about making a living on the side. Now, that was a right that Paul was entitled to, but one he chose not to use. He had not come into town with his hand out. We know from Acts that when he went to Corinth, he went as a tent maker. And for a time, he only taught on the weekends. He didn't want to give anyone the wrong impression. He didn't want to hinder the progress of the gospel in Corinth by letting the rumor spread that he was just there to fleece the flock. So he chose not to exercise his rights in a very practical way. So he did, in fact, let love limit his liberty. And he was glad to do so. In fact, it was his pleasure to do so. Read on. But I have used none of these things. And I am not writing these things that it may be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me, what then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Now, Paul's not writing this to make them feel so bad that they'd send him some money for the time he'd spent with them. Not at all. He would rather die, he says, than have what he's been able to give them taken away from him. He was proud of the fact that he had been able to minister to them without receiving support from them. He'd been able to get by on what he could earn making tents until Timothy and Silas got there with some support from Macedonia, so he didn't have to take a thing from them. Besides, he, he didn't preach for pay. That wasn't his motivation for preaching. He hadn't decided to become a preacher because it looked like a good job, a good way to make a living. If he had gone into it voluntarily, choosing it as his occupation Paycheck would have been his reward. But it wasn't. He had to preach. There was no choice in it for him. He was under compulsion to preach. He hadn't been recruited into the ministry. He had been called to preach. He did not choose it. Now, I think I understand what Paul is saying here. No, I... I didn't have an experience on the road to Chatham. Jesus didn't appear to me and verbally command me to be your preacher. But since I was six years old, I felt I had to be a preacher. I don't know why. I don't know why. And I can't explain it. But It's very real. And it's always been very real. I didn't have a choice. And neither did Paul. He had to preach. No payment could compensate him for preaching. He had been given a responsibility by God to preach. And a paycheck played no part in his motivation. So what was his reward? It was the pleasure of being able to offer the gospel free of charge to anyone. The joy of being able to minister without having to be paid For it. Now, to some degree, I too can share that pleasure. I don't support myself and my wife by making tents, nor am I supported by someone else to allow me to minister in Chatham without a paycheck. But because you as a body do meet our financial needs, I don't have to charge people for personal services I render to them. I don't have to charge for counseling or private teaching sessions. I can go into people's homes without worrying about whether I can afford to spend all evening there or not. I can counsel and share the love of Christ with no strings attached. And I love that. And that's what Paul was getting at. He was glad that he had been able to minister in Corinth for 18 months without receiving a nickel from the Corinthians. He felt good about not using his right to reap material things from those with whom he had shared spiritual things. He enjoyed giving up his rights for the sake of others. Kind of like a mother giving up a portion of her meal for her children, doing what my mom always called her sacrificial bit. I don't know how many times she would give us her portion of the meat and then just smile. Oh, I'm just doing my sacrificial bit. Paul enjoyed being able to do that. It was his reward. It was his pleasure. And indeed, this wasn't an isolated example. It was Paul's practice. To give up his rights for the sake of others. And he goes on to make that very clear. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. Even though he was free in Christ. Paul chose to make himself slave to everyone. He had complete liberty, but he limited his liberty in order to be able to effectively minister to people. He had been freed from Jewish legalism, yet when he was with those who were limited by the law, he gladly put himself under the limits of the law that he might identify with them. When he was with the Gentiles, those who didn't have the Jewish law, he became as they. Now, not to the extent of being lawless. He was still under the law of Christ. He couldn't be immoral because they were, but he would eat whatever they were eating. He would share in their recreational pursuits and let down all the taboos that he could to make them comfortable. On the other hand, when he was with the weak, those whose consciences wouldn't allow them to participate in some of these gray areas, Paul would limit himself to their scruples. He was glad to give up his rights for them. Now. He wasn't being wishy-washy, just going along with the crowd here. He knew what his limits were. He knew what was absolute, and he wouldn't violate that. But within the realm of freedom and opinion, he put his own personal preferences behind him that he might open the doors of witness and be able to share the gospel without hindrance. He was willing to sacrifice his freedom for the gospel's sake. Why? What prompted him to do this? Well, he tells us, and it might surprise you, verses 23 through 27. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul did what he did, not only for the sake of others, But for himself as well. He wanted to share in the joys of Christ himself. He wanted to have the eternal benefits of the gospel too. And he knew that he couldn't just assume that he had it made because he was an apostle. Remember Judas? Paul had a goal he was shooting for, and he didn't want to lose sight of it. You know, athletes give up much for the sake of fading glory, a perishable wreath. They're willing to sacrifice physical pleasure to go on strict diets and grueling training programs just to win. Well, Paul was willing to give up much, too. He was willing to give up liberties that he might be faithful As a Christian, he was willing to forego some temporary pleasures and freedoms for eternal ones. He wouldn't allow personal desires to get in the way of his ministry or to hinder the course God had set for him. He kept everything in perspective so he could hit. What he was aiming at. He kept his own wants and desires in control so they wouldn't take over and begin controlling him. He knew if he didn't keep himself in check, he could lose all he had gained in Christ. If he didn't stay submissive to the lordship of Christ... Christ would cease being his Lord. If he started putting self first, it would no longer be Christ, but Paul who was living in him. So he gladly yielded to Christ on every count. And he yielded to others as well so he might be what Christ had called him to be and to make certain his relationship to Christ. Now, Paul wasn't perfect. As the book of Acts reveals, he at times went his own way and a stubborn streak appeared now and then, but he never lost sight of his goal. And contrary to what my mother thought, I, too, am imperfect. I don't perfectly do everything I tell you to do. But I do try to practice what I preach. And even though my surrender is imperfect, I do try to surrender my all to the Lordship of Christ. And I do willingly Give up some of the liberties I have in Christ to help keep you from stumbling. Like Paul, I try diligently to practice what I preach. But guess what? Practicing what we preach isn't limited to preachers. We all have an obligation to share our faith with others. And our message is validated by putting into practice what we proclaim to be true. Do what I say, not what I do, doesn't work for preachers, parents, or anyone With integrity. So let's all make certain that we have surrendered our will to Christ before we ask anyone else.